Hi, everyone. I know recently we announced we were going to two episodes a week and then three episodes a week. But you know what? There are just too many episodes. So we are going to back to five episodes a week. Still a reduction from seven, but there were just too many interviews scheduled, and I didn't want to make all the authors wait for too long. So I hope you can keep up with me. Listen to one a week as you're on your way to work or on your way home or putting your kids to bed or whatever it is you're doing. Moms don't have time to read books now five times a week. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinarian developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hi, I'm Zivi Owens, and you're listening to Moms Don't Have Time to Read Books. This 30-minute podcast features a new author interviewed by me, every single day, 365 days a year for about 30 minutes. I am also the publisher for Zibby Books, which publishes 12 books a year in fiction and memoir. Our books are already out now. And you can check it out on zibbybooks.com. And we have a magazine called Zibby Mag, where we have lots of wonderful essays and lifestyle features. That's at zibbymag.com. We have classes at zibbyclasses.com. And I recently opened a bookstore in LA called Zibby's Bookshop at 1113 Montana Avenue at 11th Street in San Monica. I hope that you are able to enjoy some of our other offerings. But this here podcast is the basis of all of it and started in 2018. And no matter what I do, this is basically my favorite thing. Enjoy. Luke Russert is the author of Look For Me There, Grieving My Father, Finding Myself. Since we've recorded this episode, uh, this book has hit the New York Times bestseller list, so congratulations to Luke. Also exciting is that after we spoke, he made a quick detour from his West Coast venture and went to Zibby's bookshop for a book signing and... <laughs> we ran out of books. We had bought so many, and it, there was like a line out the door. So anyway, really excited for Luke. Luke Orthressert is an Emmy award-winning journalist who was an NBC News correspondent from 2008 to 2016, primarily covering American politics. Since leaving broadcast journalism, he wrote Look For Me There, a travel memoir about his three-and-a-half-year journey around the world that took him to more than 65 countries. 
based in Washington, D.C. He is the son of journalists Maureen Orth, Vanity Fair, and the late Tim Russert, NBC's Meet the Press. Welcome, Luke. Thank you so much for coming on Moms Don't Have Time to Read Books to discuss Look For Me There, Grieving My Father, Finding Myself. Thank you so much. It's a real pleasure to be on the pod. Thanks. I have to say, I kind of devoured this book. I just read the whole thing. I was on a flight and I just, I don't know, it skipped the line. I I really wanted to read it when I got it. And I found it so interesting, your whole journey and writing about grief and your dad and like where you went and how you handled everything. And and even how you weren't totally like fixed by the end of it, I thought was great. You know, because a lot of books are like, I went on this trip and now everything's fine. And you're not trying to say that. So anyway, I thought it was great. Well, I really appreciate it. And it was a thrill when you put it on Instagram there. I had a, a, a geek out moment. So, <laughs> so thank you. <laughs> well, why don't you explain for listeners a little bit more about what the memoir is about and really why, I mean, I know from reading the book when you decided to do it, but maybe you could talk about when you decided to turn all of your experiences into a book. Sure. Well, I'll start at the beginning. Uh, In 2016, I left a successful career as an NBC News correspondent. I was covering Capitol Hill, and I wasn't totally fulfilled. Something was off. I had turned 30. I was more conscientious at the light at the end of the tunnel. I thought 30 was old back then. It's not now that I'm 37. (laughs) Wait till you're 46, then you'll feel like a baby. Right on, (laughs) But I had seen, you know, friends were settling down, getting married, getting mortgages. Uh, I had lost a friend at 27 and my father had passed at 58. So I was conscientious of time. And I was feeling anxious. I didn't necessarily know if this was my path in life or if it made me fulfilled. On paper, it looked great. I had on a first-name basis with the Speaker of the House, the President of the United States. I had won an Emmy. I was doing really good work and following my father's footsteps. But the voices in my head are, is this what you really want? Continue to get louder. And I had a chance meeting with House Speaker John Boehner, of all people, who I think had noticed that I had been a little different in the last few years of covering the Hill and, and just called me into his office one day, totally unexpectedly, and said, what are you doing here? And I go, well, that's odd. You invited me into your office. Yeah. <laughs> and he goes, no, what are you doing here? And I said, I, I, I cover the Hill. He goes, yeah, but you could do this job in your sleep. He goes, is this really what you want to do? I've seen people who are here till they're 50, 60, 70 years old, times of flash circle, and they never really know why they were here or if they could have done anything else. You have an opportunity while you're still young. If you want to go explore other areas of the world or even yourself, go out and do it. And it served as a catalyst for me to leave my job and then go travel. And it was about to be supposed to be rather six to nine, maybe months, maybe a year. And it turned into a three-year journey over six continents and 65 plus countries. And what I realized throughout that journey was I was doing two things, is that I was one, I was looking for something. And ultimately, I figured out that that was acceptance from my father, Tim Russert, the late moderator of Meet the Press, that I had gone into a different path in life. But that I was also outrunning something. And that was the grief of losing my father, which happened when I was 22. And I threw myself into legacy preservation. I threw myself into keeping his flame alive and never really got to know the inner depths of myself until I started traveling. So the whole reason I was able to reach these conclusions was that I was going through a difficult period in 2018, and I had kept all these journals while I was traveling. And it was never my intention to write a book. And when I was going through a difficult period in 2018, I started to review the journals. And some of it was stream of consciousness. Other of it, uh, other journals were very insightful. 
And I came to the conclusion of, oh my gosh, you have something here that you should explore further. And maybe it's a book, maybe it's just travel essays. And as I started to review it and write it out, I go, okay, I see what this is. This is something which would A, give me purpose, but then B, I think there's a lot of people that are struggling with grief and how to manage it. And also just how to talk about a reset in their own lives and what it takes to do it. You know, people had said to me when I left NBC, oh, you're so courageous for doing it. I never thought that. I thought I just, I, I, this is self-help. I have to. And through writing, I was able to go into places that I had been scared of before, was able to be very vulnerable uh, and was really able to be alone with my own thoughts, which ultimately made me a better person. And as you say in the ending, it's a uh, Still work in progress, but as it <laughs> pertains to losing my dad, I'm much more of a place of acceptance and peace, which has made the rest of my life much, much easier to to handle. Wow, that's wonderful. I love when you said people said you were so courageous. I feel like people tell me or other people that they're courageous when like, yes, they think there's something good about it, but they also kind of think maybe you're crazy. You yeah. <laughs> like, <laughs> like, like, oh, that's how courageous of you to put your inner emotions out there, but are they really thinking it's courageous or are they thinking like, I would never do that? <laughs> it's a probable combination of both. And yeah. one of the things that's been so inspiring is that a lot of folks have reached out to me and said, you know, I've harbored these feelings, but I've never acted on them. Yes. And it, I just needed that nudge. And for me, that nudge was John Boehner of all people. I think the nudges are out there if you're willing to look for them and you're willing to accept them. But one of the things which is so, I think, fascinating in today's world is that we're so interconnected. And there's such an opportunity for a virtual wanderlust, right? Like you can travel to any country now through Instagram or through the internet, or you can just be totally ingratiated in all these different cultures if you want to virtually. But people, I also think, feel the pressure of society more than ever before. So you turn on your social media and say, oh, they got married or they're having a children or they got promoted or they got this, et cetera. And you kind of feel this pressure to perform, mm -hmm. uh, which I know at least I did for a long time. And it was hard to turn that off because I sort of felt, oh, am I falling behind or mm -hmm. am I doing the wrong thing? And and you do have friends that look at you like you're a little bit crazy and they are concerned for you. And you said, no, I'm being honest. This is actually good for me, please. <laughs> yep. No, I, I totally get it. And I loved how you were going all through the world and this, that, and the other thing. And your mother was very supportive, especially at the beginning. And your mother as a journalist as well. And then you got to a point in the book where she was like, um, okay, <laughs> so yeah. now yeah. what are we thinking? <laughs> like, that's not exactly what she said. The mother's intuition. And a part of the joy of traveling with my mother was, you know, she was a Peace Corps volunteer in her early 20s when she graduated from Cal Berkeley. And at that time, women were really sort of faced with limited options after college. It was be a nurse, be a teacher. And she said, no, I want to go travel and I want to be adventurous. And her father was like, well, you can't do that. I'm sorry. And she goes, well, what if I joined the Peace Corps? And she goes, okay, you can go help people. And so she did it. And so she always saw travel as a way to measure herself against the world. And it also developed a spirit of independence and toughness in her, which she could handle any type of situation. My mother has always been very comfortable in uncertainty, as for many years I was not. And when I started to travel with her, I got to understand her separate from the role of mom, which was incredibly valuable. She was more of the bad cop to my dad's good cop growing up, more the disciplinarian. And I didn't understand until I traveled with her is that the reason she had done that is because she thought that I was too privileged, too spoiled, lived in this bubble, needed to learn more about how the world really worked. And so suddenly all those lessons that I may have taken umbrage with as a younger man or as a kid... I go, oh, I see what she was doing. So that made our relationship much better. But there did come a point 
where she said, what are you doing with your life? You know, you've now been untethered for over a year and a half. You've done a ton of traveling. You really got to push yourself in a way to figure out what your purpose is and do something meaningful. So that's when I began to explore, all right, can I find this aha moment traveling? And unfortunately, it didn't come. The aha moment actually came when I reviewed the journals uh, later on in the journey and in the process. But a mother's intuition is almost automatically always correct <laughs> in, some, in some degree. <laughs> You had another funny moment where you ran into an ex-girlfriend yeah. of yours as you were traveling. And it was one of those moments like in sliding doors where like your life could have gone that way, but instead it went this way. And she was there with her new relationship and you were there by yourself. And I feel like that was another one of these turning points in your journey of like, well, what am I doing? And was that the right call or not even was it the right call, but just like, what would that life have been like? Where is my life going? And another taking stock moment. Tell me a little more about that. Well, I'm happy you asked about that because it's one of, to me, the most prolific moments in the book. And ostensibly what had happened was I went to the World Cup in Russia because it was one of the few times when I knew Russia would be open and relatively safe. And that proved to be true when you see what's happening there today. And I also was like, oh, this is the World Cup. This is soccer. This is the world coming together. There will be millions upon millions of people. This will be a great moment for me and perhaps serve as a capstone on my journey, et cetera. And I'm in Moscow and I'm walking around Red Square and I'm taking photos and it's a very jovial environment for the World Cup. And I see this woman kind of staring at me about 100 yards away. And it turned out to be someone who I had dated for about three years and had gotten close to marrying at one point. And it was completely random. I had no idea that she was in the country. I didn't follow her on social media anymore, so I didn't see it. We were still friendly enough. And she was there with her husband, who recently married, and he's very good-looking, just dapper, in-shape guy. And I was a little pudgy <laughs> at the time and sweaty and... One of the reasons that we had broken up was because she'd had this wanderlust and wanted to travel and was kind of uh, iconoclastic and wanted to sort of do things differently. And I was very duty bound and very regimented. And you know, I'm, I'm, I'm working for NBC News in Washington, D.C., and I cover Congress and I'm Tim Russert's son. I have to live up to these ideals. And then when I saw her, I realized, wow, she got all the benefits of the wanderlust, but then also the security that comes through a beautiful marriage. And it was very instructive to me is that I had pigeonholed myself to such a degree where I thought of it as either one or the other and not accepting that there are people out there that can operate in both worlds or that you should at least be willing to try. For so mm -hmm. long, I had not been willing to try because I was so defined by something, either by a legacy or my hometown, et cetera. And so when I saw that, it was illuminating, but it also put me into a difficult spot because it was a lot to take on this journey that was supposed to be a capstone and almost made it so that there were more questions without real answers. And, you know, it's interesting. I sent her a copy of the book and she liked it. So that made me happy that she liked it. Oh, interesting. I was a little concerned, but she's like, no, this is good. I was like, all right, thank you. <laughs> Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. 
Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. This episode is sponsored by BetterHelp. Sometimes we all have stuff we need to get off our chests. Even if we don't think it's interfering with our daily life, there are some things you just haven't processed, be it grief or trauma, eating disorders, anything. It might be time to work on those things, and I have a solution for you. Therapy. Online therapy by BetterHelp. It's designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. I took the brief questionnaire online where there were, I don't know, 20 questions. It didn't take long at all, maybe three minutes. And then I got matched with a therapist who could help me work on whatever. I picked trauma because even though it happened in 2001, I am somehow still not over the loss of my friend on 9-11. And it is what it is. BetterHelp is going to help And I am so excited, especially because with my special code, instead of $80 a month, it is 10% off, $72 a month, which is so much less than traditional therapy. And you'll get a perfect therapist for you. There are 35,000 therapists to choose from, so you'll find the right one. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash moms don't have time today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash moms don't have time. I uh, I had a memoir come out almost a year ago and I debated because I did reference like an ex quite a bit. <laughs> I was like, should mm-hmm. I send this to him? Should I let him know about it? Anyway, I decided not to, but because hey, see different strokes for different folks. I don't know. Maybe. Works out. <laughs> see what's I mean, I think that's one of the things with writing about yourself and the characters in your life is that those relationships continue on. You know? It's so hard. It's so hard. And I, I was very uncomfortable with that in the beginning. And I, especially in the relationship with my mother, because I had grown up in a family where everything was kept very close. In, you know, don't, mm-hmm. Nothing leaves the dinner table. Everything is you know, under the rug. Don't be expressive. Don't be emotive about it. You know, project this image of stability at all times. And I came through the realization through the writing process is one, readers are very smart and readers Mm -hmm. want honest work. And I also realized that part of the cathartic process of writing is to get that off your chest uh, Mm -hmm. and admit that you're not perfect. And that was really beneficial. Interesting. In addition to the loss of your father, and I'm so sorry that that happened and the way that you wrote about it, it was, I mean, oh my gosh, it was just so heartbreaking, the suddenness of the whole thing and where you were and had just been with him. I don't anyway, Not like anything makes it worse, but I don't know. Anyway, but then the loss of your friend as well. Can you talk a little bit more about that? Because that was so tragic and you had just been with your friend and oh my gosh, I lost a friend at a young age as well. And I don't know, it sort of changed my life irrevocably. So anyway, talk a little more about, about that loss. It was very obviously difficult. And it was a good friend of mine. His name was Corey Griffin. And now there's a beautiful foundation in the Boston area in his name, which has raised millions of dollars for underprivileged children. So his legacy very much lives on in that, which is beautiful. And they made some hats with his initials that I wore pretty much on all my travels was my way of carrying him with me. He was certainly the most adventurous of my friends. And he was the one that had he been around, I'm sure would have 
met up with me on some of these travels and uh, probably not married with the mortgage yet. <laughs> essentially what happened is he came to visit me for a, a birthday dinner and we had a wonderful dinner together. And I ended up, I had to speak the next day at a charity fundraiser, but he wanted to find a date for the event. So he ended up going out and sadly died in a tragic diving accident. It's a tradition in Nantucket where people jump into where the ferry comes and he had his wits about him and everything. And it's just something that people have done for, oof, I mean, decades and decades and decades and nothing bad has ever happened, but he hit the water at a weird angle and ended up breaking his neck and, and dying. And it was so difficult for me because I immediately began to replay everything that had happened with my father. And it put me into that space where you feel so helpless. And in this case, because I had literally seen him a few hours before he passed away, it was completely surreal. And going through the hospital and just going through the whole process of death, but I don't think people necessarily know about if you haven't been through it a lot is that there is this process where oh his family is not here you're the closest thing to family can you identify this can you fill out this form etc cetera, etc cetera, etc cetera. and the gravity of it is so heavy but what that did for me in that moment was it was in a real deep place of pain but in the morning right after he passed away i was looking for signs and there was this beautiful sunrise and when my father had died, there had been rainbows. And in this case, it was a very unique sunrise that I'd never seen one like this before with these beautiful pinks and just sort of going into the orange. And he loved the color orange. And it was just, okay, he's all right. And I realized you have to look for those signs because they can be very comforting. Mm -hmm. But his passing was also a reminder that, hey, Corey only had 27 years and he lived life to his fullest in every way imaginable. You might want to take note of that. So it was something that was very much I, I held close to me for a very long time to this day. Well, I'm so sorry that that happened. <laughs> Can you give me the PS after the book? Like what happens after the book? <laughs> what are you up to now? <laughs> it's a good question. I like storytelling. You know, I did not know how this book was going to be received, to be honest with you. It's been uh, completely unexpected, the success that it's had so far. It's number four on the New York Times bestseller list. That was completely unexpected. So amazing. I can tell you that I'm telling the truth because we actually ran out of books. So <laughs> it's not like the publisher or, the, or Amazon had that much faith. But all that being said, I think I like the storytelling space, whether that's a, in a book or a podcast or a long form film, documentary film, something in that space. I think that it plays to what I'm passionate about. And one of the things I learned about traveling the world is that the world really operates in nuance. And everyone tries to make things out to be black or white, but people really live in the gray. And I find that fascinating because I think oftentimes we come into a country or we come into people, even in our own cities and, and counties and states or whatever, and we project, of, oh, well, things are like this and you're like that and he's like that, et cetera. And I've always sort of now, I think since I started traveling, looked at that and been like, eh, no, there's got to be a better way to explain certain things and cultures and people that is more nuanced. So I think that space would be good for me. I think you, you have like the best voice ever. <laughs> I'm sure you've heard this a million times, but I had not heard your voice before. Anyway, I think you should do something with that. <laughs> well, I am available on Audible too in audio. There you go. There you go. <laughs> you could just narrate other people's books, you know, as a side yeah. hustle or something like that. <laughs> Do you still keep a journal? Are you keeping one now? Yeah. So I haven't done the full long form journaling, but one of the things I actually have on my website, lookformethere.com, which is more the sort of wanderlust travel aspect of the whole journey is 
if you can't keep real long journals, just bullet points. And bullet points are incredibly helpful. And especially if you're traveling, like let's say you're traveling. I did a lot of solo traveling. Most of the journey was solo traveling. But let's say you're traveling with other people and you have to have dinner with them and breakfast and you don't have time to escape to your journal. The best thing to do is put down your bullet points and then take a bunch of pictures. And I realized that the bullet points paired with the picture can really transport you back into that moment in time. It's not as good as filling out five to 10 pages of journaling. That's still the best. But in our instant gratification, we need everything quite fast now, world, get done what you can get done. The bullet points have been helpful. And I've been doing that. So it's been nice. And I, I can't wait to get back to real journaling uh, and put away my phone. But I'm not there yet. I still have to, uh, <laughs> still have to market the book a little bit. <laughs> Do you have any advice for aspiring authors? Yeah, I think there's three things that I would say is number one, just really be conscientious of time and don't rush things. Obviously, you might have to rush things for different reasons about what's going on in your life financially or a contract or whatnot. But it took me four years to write this overall when I started from the beginning to the end. And I needed every single day in that period, because especially if you're dealing with your own emotions you want to get it right. So mm-hmm. it's okay to slow roll. You know, I used to, when I was working at MDC, I had more creative artistic friends and I would make fun of them for being so slow. I'd be like, oh, you're still working on that painting or you're still writing your book. <laughs> and oh boy, did I eat those words. So <laughs> uh, I would never do that again. So that's good. The other thing that was really incredibly helpful to me was chart your progress. And so what I did is every day I would write on my calendar, all right, this is what I did today. And I may have not written a great chapter. I may have only written 500 words that day, or I may have only done some research that day. But it was a wonderful reminder that I woke up in the morning where maybe I was a little anxious that I wasn't moving quickly enough or something wasn't finished. I could go back over the calendar and be like, no, you have been working. You've been doing something. You've been diligent. You've been really trying. And I think that's incredibly important because when you're an author, there are people that think you're crazy. Even if you're an established one, they look at you like, oh, can they pull it off again? I got to become very friendly with Ellen Hildebrand. Mm, yes. So it's in Nantucket. And she's a machine. And she'll tell you that. She's great. She's, she's amazing. But even Ellen Hildebrand worries at the kitchen table at night, like, does she still have it? And what does she have in her? And she mm-hmm. gave me really good advice, which was that you got to tune that out and make yourself aware of your own progress. And that was really, really helpful. Yeah. That is great advice. She's awesome. She's the best. Well, Luke, congratulations. After going through the whole journey with you, knowing that this is where it ends up with like a book on the bestseller list. I mean, it's such a cool thing to like be on your shoulder and go from watching you honestly like grow up. I mean, it sounds so, <laughs> I mean, I'm not that much older than you, but you know, it's it's really interesting to get to watch someone else sort of work through it, take the time, like process it, share it. And then like get to this next milestone. It's very rewarding as a reader and as, you know, someone along for the ride. So that was one of my goals was that I really was trying to make it like you were next to me on the journey as much as possible. And I think a lot of people have responded to that. It's just the notes I've been getting about folks either processing grief or just going through a reset in their own lives has been, it's so gratifying. That's the whole reason why you write, (laughs) at least it was for me. So I love it. Thank you. Amazing. All right. Well, thank you so much. Thank you so much. Wishing you all the best. Appreciate it. Thank you. Okay. Take care. Thanks for listening to this episode of Moms Don't Have Time to Read Books. 
Don't forget to follow me on Instagram at Zibby Owens and at Moms Don't Have Time to Read Books. Also sign up for my newsletter at ZibbyOwens.com and sign up for my virtual book club and meet lots of authors on Zoom every other week. Thanks so much to Steve and Ryan at Texture Sound for the sound editing. And thank you to Morning Moon Productions for providing this fantastic intro and outro music. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with and Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that and Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.